beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Nine to Thrive, quick health tips for busy lives. I'm Cece, your go-to nutrition nerd, and I'm thrilled you're joining me today. We've got nine action-packed minutes ahead filled with real talk and practical tips to help you heal for good. So whether you're on your commute, taking a quick break, or multitasking like the boss you are, let's dive in and make every minute count. It's time to nerd out. Today, we're diving deep into the standard American diet and how it's impacting our health, especially for us women. Now, the standard American diet is often referred to in shorthand as SAD. And let me tell you, it's SAD for a reason. First, we're going to take a quick look at the SAD as a caloric paradox. Why do I call it a paradox? Well, because the defining trait of SAD is that it's calorie-rich but nutrient-poor. Eating just a vegetable or two a day is just not nearly enough. According to the CDC, less than 18% of adults in every single state consume the recommended minimum amount of fruits, and less than 14% consume enough vegetables. This deficiency in vitamins and minerals can mimic radiation and damaging your DNA. We're falling short in nearly every color category, too, when it comes to our plant foods. 70% or more of us are not getting enough red, green, white, blue, and yellow foods. Now, we're also a country that values affordability and accessibility in our food, which means that we eat low-quality proteins and nutrient-depleted fruits and vegetables. Even when we think we're making healthy choices, we're getting subpar nutrition. Compounding all of this is a culture that glorifies busyness and overwhelm, making dining out and, and convenience foods king over preparing our own foods. If we can't get over the time-starved nature of our culture, we won't be able to get out of this unhealthy eating rut. So let's zoom out now and consider the global perspective. In other parts of the world, poor diet means undernutrition. But in the U.S., it's more often associated with excess, like excess calories, excess trans fats, added sugars, sodium, and the like. And this has led to high rates of obesity, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, dyslipidemia, type 2 diabetes, osteoporosis, and certain types of cancer. And this happens in the U.S. at a rate that is much more significant than we see in other countries throughout the world. It's been estimated that poor diet quality and physical inactivity contributed to approximately 17% of U.S. deaths in 2000, compared to just 14% in 1990. And yes, that's the latest uh, that we can get the data for. So let's assume that that has escalated uh, in the 20 years since this study was published. Now let's zoom back in and talk about the impact these factors have on women. Now, this culture and these dynamics are wreaking havoc on our health. According to the CDC, 41% of women over 21 are obese, 45% have high blood pressure, half will develop cancer in their lifetime, one in five will develop Alzheimer's, one in nine will get type 2 diabetes, one in eight will develop a thyroid problem, and 80% of all autoimmune conditions happen in women. We are the caretakers of our families and communities. At a time when the world needs us to be at our best, we are grappling with poor health, feeling unheard by doctors, and are searching for answers, but are being misled by misinformation. All right, I know what you're thinking. Cece, this is supposed to be a fun, uplifting shortcast, and you're 100% killing my vibe. I know. I'm sorry. Call me Debbie. I'm totally being a downer here. But here's the thing. This misinformation is making us chronically ill. And you know what? I'm sick of sitting here and just watching it happen. 
So I want to share seven common misconceptions that women especially have when it comes to making choices about their diet. Thing one, all fat is bad. Obviously a misconception. We touched on this in episode one. We're going to keep beating this drum because we now know that some fats are healthy and essential for our well-being. Thing two, plant-based foods lack protein. Well, this is obviously garbage. Proteins are needed for the body to function properly, and animal-based proteins are considered complete because they contain all nine essential amino acids that our bodies need to build that protein. Plant-based foods generally lack one or more of the essential acids. However, it is not hard to get your fill of protein from a plant-based diet. Some of the best sources of plant-based protein are soy-based products like edamame and tofu. And then, of course, you also have legumes, beans, chickpeas, lentils, etc. Great sources of plant-based protein. But I want to zero in on soy for a second with thing three, soy is harmful. All right. The current evidence just does not support this. Uh, concerns have been raised about the relationship between soy and certain health issues. And in some studies, high doses of plant estrogen in soy called isoflavones have been found to stimulate breast tumor cell growth in animal studies. I repeat, animal studies. However, these studies do not indicate a link between soy and breast cancer in humans. All right, thing four. Avoid all processed foods. Well, you know, not all processed foods are created equal. Some minimally processed foods are actually good for you, like nut butters and canned tuna packed in water and, and flash frozen fruits and vegetables. Examples of processed foods that are not so healthy um, are things that contain sweeteners, food coloring, preservatives, additives, anything that you can't pronounce, your body's not going to recognize and it's best to avoid it. Thing five, multigrain and whole grain are the same thing. They are not. <laughs> uh, multigrain contains several different types of grain, um, and they may not be whole grains. Whole grain contains every part of a grain kernel, which includes the germ, the endosperm, and the bran. Much better for you. Thing six, eggs are bad and will make you fat. Oh my gosh. If I had a, a dime for every time I had to bust this myth, I would be a rich lady. First of all, your body needs cholesterol to perform important jobs like making hormones and building cells. And eggs are rich in choline, which is really crucial for brain health and cognition, especially if you're trying to conceive or if you're already pregnant. And finally, thing seven, gluten-free is good for everyone. Well, this is true only if you have a sensitivity or celiac disease. Although, I will say a lot of my clients come to me with chronic inflammation. And so with that, I usually recommend a gluten-free or gluten-reduced way of eating, at least for a little bit to kind of like cool the fires of inflammation and, and get a reset in order. And that usually does help. All right. So how do we overcome all of these misconceptions? I'm going to give you three simple actionable steps that you can try immediately to begin stacking the nutritional odds back in your favor. Thing one. Gosh, I'm sorry. I feel, I just realized I keep saying thing, like thing one, thing two, thing three. Um, I guess that's just the way I talk. Uh, all right. <laughs> thing one, do the 30 plant challenge. Aim for 30 different plant foods in one week. Um, it's not that hard. And it's really important because we know that diversity in your plant foods is critical for maintaining your gut health. So here's an example. Um, if for breakfast you enjoy Greek yogurt topped with blueberries and strawberries and maybe like a... Um, a sprinkling of coconut flakes and pumpkin seeds, almonds, and um, let's say cacao nibs, just, you know, 
for, for a little kick. Well, that's six plant foods right there in one meal. And remember, plants include fruits and veggies, yes, but also nuts, seeds, etc. So get creative with this one. All right, thing two, use the 50% rule. So at each meal, every single meal, half of your plate should be plants because vegetables contain fiber and that promotes healthy digestion, but it also promotes better absorption of our nutrients. And then thing three, dial up the herbs. So use herbs and spices to eradicate inflammation. And when you combine two or more of these, they actually magnify each other. So you get this really cool multiplier effect. So for example, I will often sprinkle black pepper and turmeric on my fried eggs. Or when I'm making a salad, I'll throw in some parsley and basil and cilantro, um, which also gives it a really awesome flavor kick. Now, you don't have to do this one perfectly. Just kind of aim for, you know, one meal a day doing this or a handful of meals per week. All right, before we begin to wind things down today, I have to take a beat here. And apologies, this is going to make this episode a little bit longer than nine minutes, but it's really important. I want you all to know, that I'm not just pontificating about what's written in the nutrition courses and research about being healthier. I am speaking from a posture of data and science, yes, but I'm also speaking from what I know to be true from firsthand experience. Up until about six years ago, I just accepted what mainstream media teaches us about what's good for us. I followed the fads. I, I bought into the lies about fat being bad, carbs being good, calories being the most important metric of health. And where did that get me? Well, it got me six years of infertility, hormonal acne, PCOS, chronic inflammation, violent mood swings, insomnia, and a dependence on over-the-counter sleep aids. So eventually, I got fed up and I got pissed because clearly I was doing something wrong. I was operating under a very wrong set of guidelines and assumptions, and I was sick of being sick. I wanted it out. I wanted something different. So I declared war on all of the quote-unquote conventional uh, nutrition wisdom, and I vowed to find out the truth for myself. Uh, it started with, God, it started with a very long journey, experimenting with nearly every dietary lifestyle under the sun. You name it, I've tried it. And then I pursued formal education and certifications to deepen my expertise. Now my eyes are opened and, and I know the truth about health and nutrition. And why the hell am I telling you this? Well, <laughs> because I am on a mission to democratize what I've learned so that other people don't have to waste six years like I did. I want to be your shortcut to the truth. Okay, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. All right, well, where do we go from here, friends? Um, when I talk about these topics with clients, uh, the number one question that inevitably comes up is, okay, so what diet is best? Well, I can say two things with absolute certainty here. One, there is no single winning diet that works for everyone. And yet, mm, caveat, two, from the perspective of research and, and the clinically validated data that's available, there is one style of eating that seems to work well as a foundation for most people, no matter what your challenges, goals, health context is. And that's a Mediterranean-based style of eating. With a Mediterranean style as the foundation, as the basis, you can then customize based on your individual needs, goals, challenges, preferences, uh, et cetera. All right. As we bring this nine to thrive episode to a close, I want to encourage you all to uh, stop listening exclusively to mainstream media and big food and, and, and what you've been, uh, you know, what you've known or been taught growing up. A lot of it is false. A lot of it is incorrect. So I encourage you to abandon what you think you know, question everything, and open your mind and your heart to learning what's actually true. And remember that I am 
always here for you to answer questions, debunk myths, or cheer you on. And that's a wrap, beautiful people. Another nine minutes closer to healing for good. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share the love with your friends. Got questions or topics you want me to cover? Just slide into my DMs on Instagram at NutritionNerdCC. Until next time, keep thriving and remember, you've got this.